0: Hi, I'm Kate Spina. This is Toward Light, practical Buddhism for the modern world. Each week, I explore ways to apply these timeless teachings to our daily life. Hello, and welcome to episode 29 of season three of the Toward Light podcast. In recent episodes and in this season in general, I'm repeatedly talking about the importance of sorting out what is our true nature and what is conditioning. This process is sometimes referred to as purification. Now, the process of purification is not easy. Think about water going through the purification process. Pressure and sometimes temperature is increased. It's pushed through different types of filters and things are removed. Or another simile that's often used is a simile of excavation that our Buddha nature, our inner wisdom or insight has been covered by layers of conditioning. And as we excavate, sometimes we use a pickaxe, sometimes a shovel, and other times we use a brush to remove the layers. It's a process and it can be painful. With purification, we don't plan it. We don't always know what we're going to find. We can't control or force the process. I have noticed this for myself sometimes on retreat. I'll go in with an intention, but what unfolds is not what I had planned. And what I learn, what I uncover, what I let go of is not what I planned. But it's all useful. When we begin to practice mindfulness and on different parts of the path, we have periods of purification, which are not always pleasant. There can be confusion, big emotions, processing of traumatic memories, more clearly seeing problems in our lives, more clearly seeing behaviors we don't like about ourselves, etc. And sometimes when those things come up, it can feel like this means that the practice isn't working. But there is a dukkha that leads to the end of dukkha. As Robert Frost said, the best way out is through. In order to sort through these layers, we often have to be with the difficulty, not in a mentally obsessive way that is rehashing, but a true feeling with, a witnessing and honoring. Purification can happen at any time. Sometimes when we begin mindfulness practice or sit retreat or experience a difficult life event, sometimes it can feel big and dramatic. Other times, we almost don't notice that it's happening. I'm going to give three examples just so you can start to get a sense of what purification may look like. As I said, sometimes when people experience this, they feel the path is not working and can even stop practicing. So I want to normalize purification as a part of the path and encourage you to continue to practice in it, to practice through it. A subtle example When I started practicing Theravada Buddhism, I was holding on to an idea that a quote-unquote good Theravada Buddhist would stay with the tradition and follow it to the letter. This idea partially came from misconceptions I had as a child growing up in church, partially from movies, books, media that emphasized differences in religions and traditions rather than the similarities, and partially because part of my introduction to Theravada Buddhism was through some monastics who have different precepts and rules than laypeople. So I was holding on to this idea that I needed to be a good Buddhist, and that meant practicing in one tradition in one way. Over time, this idea has lessened. I'm more flexible with how I practice and the different types of teachers and traditions I learn from. I'm more open to how I experience the Dharma. And I didn't really witness this purification, this letting go of this belief, this softening of my heart. It was a subtle unfolding. But when I was talking to somebody recently, I noticed, oh, I used to believe one way and now I don't anymore. I used to hold onto something rigidly and I've now let go. That layer of conditioning has been purified, has been released. Another example. In my first couple years of dedicated Theravada practice, there was someone I had a flirtation with for years. It became briefly intimate. We stayed in touch long distance. And as I went through some difficult things in my life, including the death of my grandfather, I became more and more attached to this person even though they had been clear from the get-go about the limits of our relationship. I eventually moved closer to them and the relationship crashed and burned very quickly, and I experienced a depressive episode. But I continued to practice, and what I was able to see was that A, I had willfully ignored what was right in front of me. B, I had acted from a place of desperation because I was experiencing grief from the death of my grandfather. And C, I actually wasn't getting what I needed from that person anyway. Seeing these three things, willful ignorance, acting from grief, and settling for less, allowed me, with the help of friends and a therapist, to look at other times those patterns had come up for me, how they had gotten in the way of my clarity, and how I could watch for them going forward. Have I done this perfectly? No. But now, I'm much more attuned To listening to what someone is saying and doing before making a commitment. When I'm experiencing grief, I know I have a tendency to be drastic, so I don't make big decisions. Or if I have to, I do it with the support of trusted others. And I did work with books, teachers, and took workshops to get clear about what I was looking for in a partner so I wouldn't settle. So I got closer to my true heart by going through this purifying experience. It was painful But by staying with the aftermath of the relationship, the depression, I was able to see those layers of conditioning and begin to wipe them away. A more current example is one of my layers of conditioning, which I think is just part of being human, is I have a real tendency to want to control things. And the plumber had come and done some work, and he had to come back. And I was convinced that either my husband or I needed to be here when the plumber came back to avoid any problems. Now, I had been there the entire first day that he was there, and he had left and there was a problem. Me being there did not stop that problem from happening, right? Because I'm not a plumber. I was holding on tightly to this idea that one of our presence would make a difference in this situation when the evidence showed that it had not previously made a difference. And so I was talking this out with my husband, and he's the one who helped point this out to me that I was holding on to a belief that I was holding on to some layer of control that was not actually true. And so this is like a purification in process for me. This is work I'm doing right now, actually, in therapy and in other parts of my life of working on, oh, when do I try and control things or grasp on tightly? And how is that blocking my true response? How is that blocking my inner wisdom? I hope that what you're seeing in these examples is that there's no one way that purification looks, that it is an ongoing process, and sometimes it can be quite painful. But the result of purification is always a letting go, a surrender, a renunciation of something that's getting in the way of our ability to rest back and have a relationship with our own inner wisdom. Thank you for listening. Please check out any links in the show notes. You can find me on my website, towardlight.net, or on Instagram at towardlight108.